Okay. Do you recall when uh, blacks wore what they called a fro? Mm -hmm. Okay, that was the natural hair then. That was natural. Just That's the way hair. black hair is. Mm -hmm. Now, when they put the chemicals to it, it becomes like yours. Straight. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if they don't put any chemicals, they could have another choice. They take a, a, a pressing iron or curling iron and, and straighten it with heat and curl it and then it straightens. But one way or the other they can straighten it either with heat or with a uh, uh, perm. But in those days they used the, uh, used the uh, heat. But was it better to have, and some people were born with straight hair? Most of them were born with straight hair. And they weren't always curly. Very few black babies have real curly hair when they're born. It's later on it comes, it starts curling up. Well, I, I meant later on. I used to okay. call the term born with. I meant later on mm -hmm. was it was it was there a status attached to um, straighter hair along with the fact that it might have been easier to care for well yes it goes back to what I was telling you about hiring certain uh, blacks for certain things uh, now blacks black females who had straighter hair are and then it tend to be silkier or whatever, have a silkier texture to it, or, or maybe a natural curlier texture without curls or heat. Uh, that was something that just could be just combed and it would just be curly all the time. You could go swimming, they could do anything and nothing happened to their hair. Whereas since mine was heat controlled, if I went swimming, it would get all returned back to a fro. You see, it would revert back to a fro. Then I'd have to go to the beauty shop and get it straightened out. Where this person wouldn't have to go to the beauty shop; they'd just comb it when it was wet, and it would just fall in place. The mixture is beautiful. What about the difference in the hairstyles and the hair texture, or whatever the the way people handled their hair um, between Vashon and Sumner? Oh, there was no difference. I would see. Some had, uh, like I said, had the curly, naturally curly or silky-like, and some had the kinky and had to go to the beauty shops and have it straightened out. So that wasn't anything that made a difference between No, only the ones that were real fair with the silky hair. Uh -huh. See, that went with, with the fairness, because there again, that was that white blood coming in that made that hair different. It's kind of funny to me. Yes. <laughs> it is, you know. So, and so they were looked up to more, or they thought they were, or they... Uh, I tell you, I wouldn't say so, but I think to me, um, sometimes boys made a difference with that. Sometimes boys preferred a girl with uh, silky-like hair. Whether he was light or dark, or no matter what his hair was. Yeah, because you've got some dark people that have the hair, too. See, along with pigmentation of the skin, sometimes that, that skips. They get the hair, but they don't get the color. Where did the people from Carondelet, Compton Heights, I mean, Compton Hill, Compton Hill, where did that, how did they fit into this color and hair thing that we're talking about? They were all the same. Okay. Mm -hmm. They were all the same. They they were people from everywhere, and uh, I'm finding I'm now. I'm trying to get people's different people's perceptions of each other. Okay, uh, it was just a, a matter of location. 
the people were the same. There were mixtures of light and dark, complexion blacks. And uh, a lot of people I'm finding where when they came here from the south or if they came from the north, I have a friend, their family was never slaves. They never came, went to the south. Now, as far back as I have found, my folk did not come from the south so far. Now, I haven't gotten into this thing with my great-great-grandfolk. They may have come from the south, but some of them were born here. Now, I'm found that I found out to the um, Historical Society, you have a, a section there where I want to get into where they had some uh, blacks born free in Missouri. I want to look into that because there were some Andersons that flashed across that screen. Now, that's a fairly common name, but that's my mother's family name. I want to find out about that. Um, you said you knew about my question was how you know there were people of a different skin color. You said because they were in your family. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. But, um... Now, you couldn't tell my grandmother from you because she was that fair. And her hair was very silky, and she just had it in a big bun, Grandma Mary. Now, that was my father's uh, mother where I would go in the summer, okay? Now, she was very fair, but there again, as I tell you about skipping, here's her son here. Two of the children were fair and two were dark. This is my father's brother. Now, he was fair. Uncle Cornell was fair. Now, he is tan here, but he was fair. And uh, my father was dark. The aunt that made the clothes, that was the other sister. She was dark, but the other sister was fair. See, it does that. Yeah. It skips. It changes. But they are their mother was just like you. You've got a lovely family. Your children are grandchildren are darling. Their granny's pets. This is my daughter here. You have a daughter and uh, this is my daughter. She looks like you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And this is the first boy there again. That was one over there in Germany. And this one is Scott Airbase. This is my son-in-law. This is his daughter by our first marriage. Nice-looking family. Very sweet. Lovely. Yeah. And 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 they're and the coloration is very different. Look at that. Now, would you say her great-grandmother was half white? No. But you can't go by no. that. It skips. Yeah. Uh huh. Now you see how it came out when he was born, don't you? He was so fair, and his hair was silk as everything. You just don't know. Uh, back to back to your um, the the skin color, learning about whites. Um, you talked about going downtown and mm -hmm. the streetcar rides. The streetcar and going going and you, you saw what was happening downtown. The thing mm -hmm. waited on mm -hmm. the, the elevator girls. Um, you knew there were three high schools. You know, you you were. Mostly with, with black, with Negro people. Yeah, you always were. You always were. You worked for a, a, a white. No, couple. I worked for black. Fishers. Yeah, they were black. Oh, I thought they were white. No, no, they 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 see. I said that's how they made their money and helped yeah. with that racial shit. No, no, they were black. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they. I'm not listening, but I'm, I am. Yeah, I know you are. Maybe it's the way I talk sometimes. No, no, no. Cause I, it's just that there's so much, and I'm thinking ahead of what to yeah. ask. No, the Fishers, um, Fishers were a black couple that saw that they could make money with uh -huh. this racial situation for, since the blacks were not fed, no weren't able no to no eat, doubt. you know. And they did, and they packed up this food and sold it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, what I want to add, I'm going around a long, long, uh, long 
drawn out with this question, but um, how did your mother explain things to you that you couldn't eat here and you couldn't go there and you, you know? Well, I tell you, I think being uneducated, there were some things that she was not aware of. Now, I got two, two different pictures. My aunt on my father's side was a very outgoing person. When they brought their home on Maffitt, there were no blacks. They were faced with a situation where they were the only black in the area at that time in that block. And it made no difference because at first they thought my grandmother was white. You had to really look at her. You know how there are people like that. You got to peek and peer, you know, to find out where they are, who they are. Then you're not sure. So they weren't sure when they brought the house whether they were going to be black or white. But then they saw there was a mixed family. Okay. Okay. So now my mother was not in that circle of friends and socializing. My aunt was a person. Uh, she had two marriages. She had no children. So she gave a lot of time to me when I'd come out and made those dresses and what have you. Okay, but she socialized with a lot of the professional people in that area. And so she was in a different uh, atmosphere than my mother. My mother was just a working woman, a church person, and my aunt was a, a, a house, uh, well she wasn't a housewife, but she was a, a home person. That's all she did was stay at home, she didn't go to church. So they did not have a social circle, as I'm trying to say. My aunt exposed me to a lot of people and a lot of things and gave me a different insight. Now, my aunt would always say this, just as my mother said, nobody's any better than you. And she would say, well, in the May, we're going to put this dress on and we're going to such and such a place. I had never been to the country. She took me to the country. And uh, the blacks had a farm, and then right next to theirs was a white farm. A funny thing about country people now, that to me seemed like they were more integrated. I don't know if you grasp that in your world, because people had, had animals and things, and uh, their farm was right there, and the, the whatever, you know, they were all doing the same thing, raising and I had never seen live animals, you know, except the zoo, of course. And uh, she exposed me to a lot of things. She always told me to hold your head up and keep your head in that book and keep on doing what you're going to do. And she, my aunt, yeah. mm -hmm. that's on the father's side. Of course, my mother's aunt, my mother's sister, same way though. Now, my aunt, my mother's sister always told me. She said, uh, "You uh, don't let these boys get to you now. You keep your mind on what you're doing." Did you know what they meant? Yes, but they wouldn't go into detail. Nobody talked about sex and boys like they do now. It's shocking now, you know, it's out in the open. But uh, what she meant was to just don't you get I caught up with. Meant. I just wanted to Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, I learned, you know, and uh, she said, you, you'll block yourself if you do. Okay, so, um, of course, now my mother cautioned me about that. But my mother told me this way. As I said, she was not uneducated. The minute I became honest society and what have you, she turned all the finance over to me. She didn't make much as a laundress. But when we had the barbecue business, she had more money. But she didn't know how to manipulate it too well. And I knew this from school. She would say, well, now you take this and see what you come up with. And she, now this is what she always says. I never let this uh, get away from me. 
you uh, um, before you get ready to make a, uh, a purchase or anything, you think, study and see if you can figure that in. Get to the paper and pencil first. That's what she said. Paper and pencil first. She turned all that over to me. When my mother would get paid. What was she paid? Oh, God, I don't even remember. It was very small. Of course, as I say, the living, uh, uh, the living conditions were different, too. Five dollars a week? Oh, no, nothing like that, no. I know it's more than that because she was a union person. She had a little, uh, yeah, I had it here. I got some stuff in my uh, safe deposit box, a little union book, and uh, laundry workers union or something. But anyway, they, they made more money, not a lot, but, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Then, of course, she and my aunt split money from the house, you see. And uh, so, but she always would say she didn't want to figure the money, the budget, as I'm saying. She said, well, now, isn't it may you do this? And she would tell me, now, I think this week we're going to have a problem here, or this and that and the other, you know, and you, whatever. So I, I came up learning to do that, you know. And then the same thing, she started turning the cooking over to me. She couldn't bake. <laughs> I don't know what would happen to her cakes, but they always sank in the middle. So I love to cook, you know, and I was with the aunt, so I started doing the baking, and I learned to make biscuits, which was a mistake. My mother loved hot biscuits, so when I started making biscuits, even when I married, my mother had to be at the house almost every day for hot biscuits, <laughs> and that was just something that was routine. But however, I started at an early age, or I would say around when I worked at that Fisher's restaurant, I learned how to cook a little more out there, cooking at the house, keeping the budget. Those are things I learned. And then I was told that I had to give $5 to the budget when I worked at the Fisher's Restaurant. That's another thing my mother said. If you are going to make money and you know that we're not with your father, then you contribute, which I carried over to my daughter. <laughs> yeah, she says children, if they're working, should contribute to the budget. So I contributed $5. Now, in those days, I do recall five dollars paid the electric and gas for the month. So it was five dollars a month? No, I contributed five dollars every week. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got paid every week. You every week. I don't remember exactly. Now I remember when I, I my next job what I made, and because I, I had that up until I married. That was a, a photo mirror studio. I learned to uh, develop pictures. I worked in the dark room and uh, during the war, I, that's why I left Fisher's because uh, going, coming from school on Laclede Avenue, the, um, they had these little photo studios. I don't know if you recall those. They had these funny little pictures came out yes, of the machine. Okay. Yeah. So they had a big sign out. My yeah. girlfriend and I were walking past and they said, uh, uh, girl clerks wanted to learn uh, photography and darkroom work. So uh, Marcella was my good buddy. She said, let's go in there. I said, oh, I don't know, because it, it said from 4 till 11. And see, I was always taught you had to be in bed at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, whistle blew here, and you had to be getting undercover. So I said, oh, was my it, mother. Was it what? Getting undercover at 9 no, o'clock. The 9 o'clock whistle blew. Oh. See, they had. It was like a curfew, wasn't it? It definitely was. It definitely was. Now, now I don't care was if that it's. for everybody? Well, let me see. Most kids. Now, my mother, uh, even in the summer with school out, and uh, we could be out in the yard, and uh, uh, 
people would come around and sell uh, hot tamales, little Mexican trucks and stuff and what have you. You had to come in the house at nine, even though you were in the yard. They could see you because my mother never left the window. They watched you like a hawk. I don't understand the world now because the kids do everything. Nine o'clock, you'll be getting on your clothes. And I can't watched you out of the window. Oh yeah, especially if the boy came to visit. And they asked him everything and the history of his life. <laughs> they did. I wanted to ask you, when I asked you the question, you answered it, but um, I wanted to ask you the other part of it, how she translated life to you as far as the, the Negro and the race. The race. Okay, let me tell you how uh two things that that you ask questions. Why can't we do this? Why is this? You know. No, see, my mother would cut you off. Let me tell you about her. You could ask my aunt anything, but my mother knows. She would tell you now. Uh, uh, she would just go so far and cut you off. That would so be the end of it. Uh, now, I'll tell you some incidents that I always remember. My mother was very finicky about me because I told you we had a barbecue place at one time. Uh, the stores in those days were butcher shops. You didn't have no self-service in the supermarkets, you know. There was a Kroger store, and then there was a, uh, always the uh, Jewish stores had their uh, uh, poultry houses and things like that. Now and then she would send me for meat, but very seldom. I could buy other things, but she was ticky about the meat. She wanted her beef cut a certain way. And uh, she didn't want any hamburger. She wanted her a uh, piece of beef shank, uh, brisket, uh, whatever, cut, and where she could see it, <laughs> she was that way. She'd stand and argue, people be in line at the butcher counter. And then she wanted to ground whatever ground up where she could see it. Don't give me anything that you got in there under those lights. Okay, so one time or two, I made the mistake of taking some ground beef home that was in there. She could tell. She would smell it and everything. She said, this has been under the light. I don't want it. And I've told you, and you're going to get whipped, and you have to take that back. She said, they will cheat you because you're colored. They'll give you anything, and they're going to take your money. Do you understand me? They, he's taking your money for some stale beef that's been under that light. Take it back. Oh, I cry all the way. Okay, so I've always learned to be ticky about meat. But that's what she would say. She said, the game of it is this. They don't want you except when they can get you to do whatever they want you to do, service-wise or whatever. But they want your money. And if you let them take your money and give you inferior products, then you're going to be a fool. Don't let them take your money. So, okay. Then again, there was the thing that I really detested that I knew about. These people that would come to your house to collect... Now, I did not understand about my neighbors because there were always people driving up with swatches of material, clothing and stuff. In those days, people had chenille bedspreads and robes. They, see, you couldn't buy anything at Famous Bar on a charge because they wouldn't let colors have charges. Did you know that? No blacks could have charges. All up and down Martin Luther King, which was Eastern at that time, they had these uh, Jewish stores called, um, oh God, what are they called? Oh, Big Four was one. Big Four? Big Four Clothing, the United. My mother-in-law lived on the corner from us on Walnut. And they always had these people, when they would come with these uh, 
uh, materials and things over their arms and going in their house and big cigars and stuff. So they're going in there. My mother said, they're fools. So I said, what's time now? She said, they're going in there and they're going to let those Jews take all their money and they bring them everything to the house. My mother-in-law didn't like to leave the fireplace. She'd always have a baby on her lap. It was 15 of them. And uh, she would be, well, Mr. Sam's going to bring something by. We're going to get some new spreads and we're going to do this and that. Their things were delivered to the house. They felt that that was a courtesy. Now, they didn't pay them. I mean, not then. It was, um, well, how shall I put it? It was on a collection basis. Well, my mother didn't allow that. She says, no, they're not going to run in and out of my house. But the one that did come to our house was the Metropolitan Insurance Agency. They had agents that came to the house and collected the insurance payments. Then, um, later on, my mother kept on protesting. There was an argument, I'll never forget, in the house one time. They gave dividends on those policies. And she looked at this book. I was home that day, and she said, Now, let me tell you, you're cheating me again because I'm colored. <laughs> she had that badge to say all the time. You are not giving me the proper dividends for the amount of collection that you made. They were supposed to get so much back. Now, these dividends would not be given cash. They would just give them, they would pay up the insurance for a number of months, and they wouldn't have to pay. There was earned dividends, they called it. To me, it's like an interest, you know. So when they come to this house, and then they would argue over this thing, she said, I'm sick of you coming in here anyway. I don't want you white folks running out of my house. And don't sit here. She would never sit certain places. And I said, I should do that. So then it all went back to money. They always want to cheat you. You've got to learn that. How did that play with what you were... Not personally, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you see what's happening downtown. Mm -hmm. you see Trades people and that. Yeah, well, how about the trades people in the neighborhood? People that own the stores. How well, they did do that, but let's see, this is what she tell me. Like, told me taking this ground beef back. I'm sending you to school so you'll know. You watch the scale and you, you, you let them. If they're there. The Jewish butcher. Yeah. They're there to cut that meat. See, there was no meat laying out. It's just a few things they would have, like bacon and stuff in, in the uh, counter. Uh, if you're going to give them your money, then you tell what she was saying, demand service for your money. And yeah, uh -huh, I understand that now. You know, it was just her crude way of putting it. Okay. But she said, don't let them put off just anything on you. You know. Now, there were honest merchants, and there were the other kind, you see. All right. Now, I figured, too, some people invited it. And I find with my white friends now, as well as blacks, some of them invited. Invite, invite themselves to be cheat, cheated. because the, invite and, and some whites. I'm talking about today now. Just people. People in general. Because they, they, they're not concerned with what things are. They don't question anything. Oh. They just say, well, I'm going to buy a suit here or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they we'll don't, from, from whatever they show the salespeople, yeah. you know. And if they find something wrong later on, they don't take it back. And then they grumble about it. Uh, they call, so I said, don't call, tell me about it. Tell the people. They got your money. 
<laughs> That's what it's all about. So it was a good lesson she was telling me. But now she couldn't stand my mother-in-law now because they had all these trade people coming in and out with these clothing and things. They never left their house to buy anything. Well, how did you feel about white people when you were growing up? I had no feeling were about them at all except, well, except through those trade people. This is what I'm saying. The downtown area bothered me. And this is what in later years made me feel so good when they wanted me to be collected famous. I was so amused. And when I thought how I used to go in that little thing there once or twice and eat a hot dog, but I would choke on it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm sitting up here in this office now. Mm -hmm. And I knew the blacks that were there that were before would only be those running the elevators or cleaning. And uh, I said, I've come a long way here. Sure. You know, I said, wonder my mother could see this, <laughs> you know. I'm the one giving orders about, you better pay on your charge otherwise, you know, and give them a little threat. Okay, and I, it's just, just good. very good about that. You know, and then the idea, I could go downstairs and have my, uh, uh, one of the uh, white salon people do my hair. Never happened there, before, you know, years ago. See, when you come from way back there, this is what I tell my daughter. I said, you know, we've come a long way, whether it's as quiet as it's kept. I said, because I can recall, you, you just couldn't uh, do certain things in this store. What do you mean as quiet as it's kept? That's just an expression. But what does it mean? Well, I don't think the younger people realize, all of them, where we have, as blacks now have come from. That's because they I'm didn't suffer it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this is why I'm saying. This is why I'm feeling this, because I think in the city of St. Louis, very valiant lives were led mm -hmm. in a very dignified way. Mm-hmm. And I think people ought to know that. The young people don't, uh, as a whole now, don't realize that. Mm -hmm. I tell my daughter all the time, my daughter was one of the people hired after the Jefferson Bank thing. I think your parents did a wonderful thing. I think they did what they could un with the little knowledge they had, right. and, and they used what they had. Long ago. Uh, after see, the Jefferson Bank. Yeah, see, uh, my daughter, uh, Let's see, was she, yeah, she was on her own at that time. By that, she had gotten her apartment because she didn't want to contribute like I did. She said I was old-fashioned. I said, listen, money is never out of style. Mm -mm. I said, you're not going to spend all your money on clothes. My daughter had a good job. She worked for Aeronautical Chart. She had good positions. She worked as a clerk uh, in the medical thing here at um, Homer Phillips. Then she went to Slate, if you're familiar with that. She was a secretary over there. All right, with all the Jefferson Bank thing, I had friends that laid down out there and did things with the demonstrations. Okay, I watched that closely. I worked at City Hall at the time. A couple of them worked at City Hall. They were told not to come in there with those freedom clothes on and all this stuff, but they did anyway. So about this time, my daughter was tired of working where she was working, and she had applied for one of the bank jobs. They didn't have tellers and things, you know. Now, my daughter was not an honor student. She was a good student, but not an honor student. And she said I pressed her too much. But uh, <laughs> I did press her in the right direction. I made her, since she quit college, I made her stay with her typing and that sort of thing and business courses. So she did. And so she applied for a secretarial position. Now, after the Jefferson Bank thing, you know, they hired some black tellers in the various banks. Okay, she didn't want the teller position. 
she took the exam for a secretarial position at Mercantile. This was not a thing that any black clerks had done there. They were had a couple of uh, what we call tokenism clerks then, you know, tellers. But her exam was in the 90s. She made the highest score. She became secretary to the legal counsel of Mercantile Bank. And that was a real big thing. Who was it? Oh, what was his name? He was, um, what was his name? Wait a minute. God, he's got an odd name. He was paralyzed partially. Hmm. This was in the 60s. Let me think. Yeah, because Jeff Bank was 63. Yeah, it was in the 60s. Did people realize what Jefferson Bank meant to them? Oh, God, yes. Especially the gals that uh, got those jobs. And then, uh, uh, see, I worked in politics. We really knew what it meant, mm -hmm. you know. And see, I, I uh, had a first position. Say what it meant. Say it. It meant an opportunity. See, we had qualified people, but there again, they didn't want the color. And I think, see, I try to look at all sides. I think they felt that when a person walks into a business establishment, he wants to relate to that gal that's out front. And he relates to the gal that's the same color as he is, as a rule, you know. If that business person is a Caucasian person, he relates mostly to seeing one of his own out there. And he kind of looks a little startled when he sees a dark face there. You think that's now or was that then? I think that in the beginning. Oh, not now. I don't think it's not now. Now, in some positions, now I had that it, uh, with the illegal cases that I used to handle for the city. Uh, but they got used to the fact, because I, I took the training at night, and I did everything, you know. And my boss was behind me, and he said, McKinney's going to handle the cases for the office. That's settled it, because he's the collector for the city. So they couldn't step over that. But anyway, getting back to that, um, those, those gals whose parents had sent them to school, and they knew the girls were qualified. They wanted them to have a better job. See, the whole thing that I think about honest blacks, and we're not concerned about socializing, this is the way I felt about my daughter. I want my daughter to have better living conditions. That's the number one thing. When my child was put in my arms, I said, I want her to not scuffle as hard as I did. I want her to have better. That's number one. Number two, I want it to be equal. If she has a degree or a diploma in certain things, I want her to be able to have an opportunity to get that position. That's what it's all about. You know, that's it. Okay, now if I'm she... socializing. No, no, that comes... Look, that's a natural thing, you know. Uh, I have found in my worldly travels and things that I've done, if people want to have dinner with you, they're going to have dinner with you. They don't care about that, you know. Uh, if they don't want to be seen publicly, that's another thing, you know. I think if you and I went out and had lunch, we'd have enough to talk about. Oh, yeah, we never get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, my daughter never say got the job, but they gave her a fit on the job. They ostracized her. But with her, oh, God, I almost thought about his name. Doggone it. I can't think of his name. But he was the legal counsel for a mercantile bank, and that was a biggie. And You're watching everything. That's <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, it was the socializing side. They, they couldn't touch her with her work because she was the highest ranking for as the test went. And her boss stood behind her. She was the best typist he ever had. Even today, she's that good. She's worked in Germany and she worked for the government. She's still, she's secretary to the major now in uh, up near Canada where they retired. She, I told her, I said, the only the way, I always told her this way, the only way you fight job segregation once you're in the door is to know your work better than the next one. Know what you're doing. If necessary, bring the stuff home. What I did when I found I was going to be in this legal department there and I didn't know anything about law, I made copies of the cases, brought them home, and studied them. Be the best. You must. You must. See, then they can't say that and step over you for the reason, you know, of your work. See, then you know then that it's strictly back to the skin. Okay, so what they did to Rosalind and Mercantile, the secretaries... Okay, go ahead. How do you, how, how do you, if you're not as good as your daughter, how do you know whether it's the work or the skin? Well, I tell you, it goes back to the socializing things. In these offices, uh, the little ticketeeks, the little coffee breaks, the little that kind of thing, you know. Uh, to me, it is not necessary at all. You know, I don't have to uh, run to the coffee machine. I don't have to do all that with you, you know. You don't have to be my friend. Uh, I like to, mm -hmm. but if not, no matter, I am here for the money. See, that's uppermost. Okay, now if we can have fun here, okay. But none of these jokes, all these things. So this is what they did to the, my daughter. They, they came on with the jokes. A uh, little slight racial jokes, you know, about the summer tans and that kind of thing, you know. So she called me at the office. No, and I don't know. Well, this is the way they did. Uh, you know, like in the summertime, you'd get a tan. Well, you already have your tan, which is true, okay? Uh, she would say then, uh, if they're going on a coffee break, or they, well, she was at the 8th and Olive, that old mercantile down there, the big one, the headquarters. And she'd come out that door and go on to maybe different places for lunch or what have you. Sometimes I worked at City Hall, or sometimes I'd walk down and meet her for lunch and like that. So I kept her morale boosted and everything, you know. So my daughter had a temper, so I knew that. So I had told her, I said, that's not the way. That's not the way. I said, you hold your head up and continue to pound your typewriter and do what your boss tells you to do. So anyway, I think they had a little meeting, I'm not sure, uh, but she told me he had told her one time or two that he knew that was kind of tough, but she was satisfactory to him. She got a raise. She was great with him. I said, that's all required. So he was supportive of her? That's right. I said, that's all required. Uh -huh. Uh huh. And he was telling her he understood. Mm -hmm. he knew what was mm -hmm. I think he was Jewish. I don't recall. He had, I think he had a Jewish name. I'm trying to think. What? Did, oh God, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know. I think about middle of the night. You ever do that? Oh yeah. Kramer. I think it was Kramer. No, was it Kramer? I can't think of. But I knew he was partially handicapped. But he was. He was the legal boss down there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn this off. Mm -hmm. Can I come back? I think I'll let you come back. <laughs>